This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 77 days since the Phillies signed Dave Dombrowski to be the new president of baseball ops for your Philadelphia Phillies. And in that time, he's only uh, yeah, well, he's only signed like a thousand guys. Um, it seems like that because it's been constant movement for this franchise, the roster, and other guys within the management. So let's talk to the man today, right here on Pine Tar for breakfast. What up, and welcome to another episode of Pie Talk for Breakfast. I am your host, Kevin Franzen, at Kevin Franzen on Twitter. And let's just cut the chase right now. Yep. December 11th, that's 77 days ago, Dave Dombrowski, new president of baseball operations. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. It's uh, my pleasure to be here. I'm excited to be here. Um, there's a lot uh, that has taken place during this time period, and uh, I'm excited to be a Philly. I I just can't get over like 77 days. I bring that up because it's significant. The the, the number of signings, whether it's re-signing JT, DD, uh, you know Brad Miller, Archie Bradley, Chase Anderson, Matt Moore, and then all the minor league guys. Then you also add in the trades. It, it, this is by getting a scope of the organization uh, pretty quickly and and understanding and listening i feel like to to many others that were in the organization and you've just you've put a footprint and and made your mark already what goes into that well i think that there's there's quite a bit actually but i i do know that from being in a position where when i joined the organization there in, in mid-december knowing that part of the winter had already taken place a significant time the planning time the the, the moving into the market for some clubs and having conversations not only trade wise but also um, from a free agency perspective the one emphasis i made and the people in the organization here in the front office and scouting end of it were so well prepared they had all the information that was needed so we had rankings of players and and scouting reports and they hooked me up with that information right away and put me in the, the computer for me but really what ended up taking place was at that time we needed to make an emphasis that i needed to catch up on a lot of things i needed yeah. to talk to a lot of people and a lot of it the, the first weekend was spent i'd say four hours talking to joe girardi over three different conversations but really being in a position where we we had to be prepared to move forward to make acquisitions mm-hmm. because we couldn't miss that part of the off season and then plan on having a club that would be better and be in a position where we could win more ball games because that was our window of opportunity. I could learn about some of the other administrative aspects of it, even though I was also doing that at the time, but we really had to put an emphasis on 
player acquisition phase because that was the time in which we were moving forward. And again, our our the people in the front office here, um, Ned Rice, for example, had a lot of the information. The interim general manager from before, who's now our assistant general manager, he was prepared. Uh, Mike Ondo with our professional scouting. Um, Chris Cashman with administrative information from our scouting and our, our information in that regard. So in putting all the, the list together, our pro scouts had had their meetings. And then, of course, Sam Fult came on board quickly and helped in that regard, too. So it was a matter of knowing where our priorities needed. And, of course, at the point when you talk to individuals, what we needed at that point was pretty clear because <laughs> you, they may have they had different rankings yeah but the reality is is we had you know we had just lost the potential of losing the best catcher in baseball and which at and that was a priority to try to keep them and then we needed a shortstop we had a big hole there and there were a few free agent shortstops but it also became apparent that we needed a improve our bullpen so that was a easy situation to appraise and then probably haven't started pitching depth and then maybe you fine-tune some other things which we did later on with like say an addition to a brad miller to help your bench but we had to prioritize those and then of course working with john middleton from an ownership perspective in the buck family um, they gave us the ability to go ahead and do those type of things but it was the preparation the preparedness of the other individuals that really made that happen for us you touched on so many things there that I, but I got to go back. That initial call between you and Joe, did he hang up like right away when you said, "Hey, this is Dave Dombrowski," and give you that Yankee, you know, Red Sox kind of rivalry <laughs> thing right away? <laughs> well, no, I think he had been forewarned, and actually, it's interesting <laughs> because I, of course, have known Joe for many years throughout yep. uh, our time period. But I always got along well with him. I always had a great deal of respect. He is from the Illinois, as I am. He played at Northwestern. Um, I was actually with the White Sox organization and actually saw him play when he was in college. He wouldn't have known me at that time, but I knew his old head coach there, Ron Wellman, who went on to be the athletic director at Wake Forest. And then just small world of all small worlds, uh, about, well, I'd say half a dozen years ago, was in a position between Christmas and New Year's, my wife and our two children. Well, that's when we would always get away for the holidays. And yeah. we generally went to a more weather climate and we went, would travel with another family. What well, just so happened, the one year that we went to Turks and Caicos, it was a private resort area, and they offered all, all-inclusive all for the kids to have all their food and entertainment. And Joe was there with his family that particular year. <laughs> so um, it was just a total coincidence. So we not like we hung out together all that yeah. time, but we did uh, have a chance to visit. So it's a situation where I have had to get a chance to know him throughout the years. And even though it was a Yankee-Red Sox rivalry, which was not friendly by any means, um, we were in a position where we had a good relationship. And his pitching coach over there was actually a very good friend of mine, Larry Rothschild. Mm -hmm. I had known Larry for years. He's, from the, again, from the south side of Chicago. But uh, he was a pitching coach with us when we won the world championship with the, the Marlins back in 97. And so I've stayed in contact with Larry during that time period. So it helped that uh, there were some common bonds between us. I, I think so much about relationships when it comes to general manager, manager, president of baseball ops, manager, the president, owner, all that stuff. Knowing Joe and having just enough of that relationship, did that make transitioning a lot easier than just trying to go from the, you know, you were already going ground up, but I mean, there was already that, that, that base, that foundation that you have there with him. 
I think so. I, I don't think there's any question about it because we have known one another, so we had a chance to talk. And you and know visit. the style of player he likes, right? I mean, like from from being on the other side. <laughs> yes, no question about. It. But you know, it's also it's interesting because uh, there was always in my mind that Joe Girardi was always a good major league manager. Oh yeah. I mean, so you have the utmost respect for how he has managed. You, you, I watched him manage many games. He always had a pulse of what was taking place. He handled his bullpen well, his staff, his club, really everything. And and actually, and I can relate to it because it happened to me too. When he got let go from the Yankees, I was in complete shock. And and I always thought that he was by far the top manager out there sitting there to be hired by someone. And it just so happened that he being with the Phillies, knowing him in the past, having a relationship some, but also the respect. Because when he tells you something or he has a pulse of what's taking place, you know you can trust what he's saying. And he's in a position where he's got a real feel and knowledge of what he, what he is saying. One of the things that you initially said in your, your Zoom press conference, which, number one, is quite odd, for I'm sure, for you coming into this, um, you know, obvious reason with the pandemic. But when you're, when you're talking to everyone and, and you made a mention about uh, you love superstar players, you love having them because there's, mm-hmm. a, there's a different connection. There's a different, you know, way of uh, going about things for guys like them. Uh, I wonder when you come into a situation like this and you're trying to re-sign one of those superstars, the leadership side, trying to find out and figure out the leadership side on the players. Do you go all with Joe? Do you go with, you know, the, the scout side that, that sees it from afar or you just put all in, you know, a, a combination of things? Well, for me, it's a combination of things. Of course, your, your manager weighs in, heavily in that case you put a lot of trust in him but you talk to to other people you talk to people within your own organization you talk to scouts you talk to ownership you talk to Andy McPhail as club president you talk to just basically as many people as you can to gather as much information as you possibly can about an individual this one was easy because even though I was in the other league and we didn't play the Phillies that much had seen JT play and always had thought, gosh, this guy's really a good player (laughs) all around. It doesn't take much. It doesn't take to be in baseball very long to know that. But also, too, when it got down to it and you start talking, it was unanimous from people in our organization. There wasn't anybody that said, oh, well, I don't don't agree with the rest. I don't think we should sign him. I, I, I don't like... Everybody just was effusive in their praise. And it's easy and understandable why when you look at not only the ability, but the person that's involved. So... Um, I think it even paid off this wintertime more quickly, not only after signing them, which was a very important fuss, but I had on more than one occasion an agent say, my my player would really like to throw to, to hmm. JT, hmm. that uh, they have the utmost respect for him. And they were legitimate in their in their statements. So he's got that type of respect throughout baseball. And that's why having somebody like that on your side is extremely important. I know that, you know, comparison to sport is not, I mean, you don't want to do that, but the quarterback and having these wide receivers, tight ends take their, you know, I'll just take a little bit less money because this guy is going to be there. It's very similar. Once you say, as far as having a catcher like that, having those pitchers and the, the agents reach out to you, that's a little different at times when you, you're not going to them, they're coming to you. No question about it. Uh, it's a situation. It brings a whole different uh, 
atmosphere and thought process to an organization from outside. And of course, when you talk about pitchers, you're talking about half your club. And I don't ever mean to downplay offense because I like a lot of offense, <laughs> but if you don't have pitching, you're in trouble. Yeah. And, and so being in a position where having that type of respect for the individual that handles your staff in such an important spot, it just does so much for an organization. And I think that's a real key in addition to many, but that is a real key for us. How excited are you for what, you know, you and Sam Fold and, and uh, others have built as far as that pitching staff, assembling a, a, a group, not only great at the top end, but a lot of depth behind it. Like how are you excited about that? Or are you still in that, that phase of like, we still got more to do, but I we're, we're on the, you know, the right path. Well, you can always get better. That's one thing about baseball that anytime you have, let's say a defined weakness, which is something you're trying to approach. As soon as you fill that weakness, something else becomes your weak spot and you have something else to work on. So yeah. um, that, that is, that continues. But from our perspective, um, I, I like where we are from our pitching staff at this point. And again, not that you can't always get better, but when you look at our starting staff, it, it does make it easier to try to put finishing touches on it when you have a legitimate number one and number two starter. So when you have individuals like Nola and Wheeler, and even an up-and-coming guy like Eflin, who's not far behind him, yeah. it's, a, it's a lot easier to fill in the backside of the starting rotation and not that we didn't have a couple of guys that are quality to do so themselves with Velasquez and, and a young guy like Howard. So it, it's a situation where you, you basically had the foundation, but we needed the depth in addition to those individuals. So we like where our starting staff is at this point. And then you're in a position where from a bullpen perspective, um, we've made so many changes out there. We really like the addition of Archie Bradley for us. Alvarado's thrown the, the ball very well for us in camp here, and we know when he's healthy, and he is healthy at this point. He can be really good. And then we've added just a lot of other individuals, and, and I'm not sure how it's all going to shake out, but when you start talking about having seven starters, well, could a couple of them slide into the bullpen um, in addition to Bradley and Neris and Alvarado. Well, we had a couple of young guys last year, they say at the end of the season in Brockton or Romero through the ball. Great. Yeah. Um, we're in a spot where we signed some guys like Kinsler and Watson that were uh, free agents out there that to non-roster invitee contracts. So we've really added and put a focus. We made some small trades. We picked up the Alvarado. We picked up Coonrod from San Francisco who's got a great arm. So we tried to make as many additions that we possibly could that we like the players and tried to create the depth that can create competition rather than let's say sign one individual yeah. or two individuals and then fall in behind that. We thought we needed more depth at this time. So that's the approach that we took. Yeah. It's crazy to think. And, and when you picked up Alvarado, I was, uh, I was texting with Sam Folk cause I was like, you know, it's disgusting as a, a, a right-handed hitter. I love facing lefties. I was like, I had no, I would have no chance against that guy. It, it looks like a right-hander throwing uh, a cutter, like his two-seam movement away to, from right-handers. It's at 98 to, you know, 100. You're going, oh, my God. He is legitimately one of those that it's overpowering for righties and lefties. Oh, and it, it's, it's just, just like a, you see him coming out. Well, because that's what I always thought. Like when, you know, playing, coming off the bench, I knew who I was going to face. And if I knew that that guy's still out there, right, and there he's he's lurking – that puts doubt in your mind, you know, and as a manager, I'm sure it does the same thing. 
But as players, you're like, I know that guy. There's a couple guys in your pen now, that, uh, multiple guys, that are going to be lurking in the minds of, of, of the opposing teams. That's a great thing to have. Yes, yeah, and, and no question about it. And I do think that that is generally related to, there may be somebody that has a trick pitch, but it's usually related to hard throwers. And yeah. I know big league hitters can hit the fastball when they know a fastball's coming the majority of the time. It, that uh, they don't get overpowered all that much, but there are a select few that can still do it that are throwing the upper 90s and 100 that have movement and have other pitches to go with it. And uh, a couple of our guys, I think, fall into that category, so I'm excited to be able to trot them out there because all of a sudden, if you do have Bradley throwing the way he's capable of doing, and then you have Alvarado, and I mean, Neris is a little bit different type pitcher, but if Coonrod comes on for us and even guys like Brockton from last year and Romero and how they threw. I saw their the videos on them. They're throwing in the oh. upper 90s. All of a sudden, you start creating four, five, six guys that are coming out throwing that way. You're in a position where um, facing that type of bullpen is not fun for the opposing team. Yeah, no, and, and for me, for Brogdon, seeing what he did from getting sent down uh, and going to the alternate site and how he responded, I was just like, sky's the limit for a kid like this in the pen. Because you've been around plenty of guys that have been sent down and, and melted, right, and, and really just gone into a hole. He got better. And so from afar, you, you see that. Now you're, you're getting that first, you know, hand look at him. What, what, what's your take on Brogdon? Well, I've just seen him a little bit at this point other than the video. When you look at the video from the end of last year and you talk to individuals, you have to be impressed. And then I've seen him throw on the side. I haven't even seen him throw uh, to hitters as of now. But he's very impressive. He's the type of guy that you smile when you see throw, knowing that he's on your side. <laughs> and now you know, the thing is he has to carry it forward. That's the key yeah. for him. And there's all indications that he will. He has that type of makeup and work ethic. But if he can carry it forward, you're in a situation where you have someone like that with you for a long time and you're really in a great spot. Yeah, no, he's, he's tremendous. He's not going to say much. He's very quiet, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've seen that around him too. He's, he, he does say hi though. That's about it. And that, I've talked to him so far. That's big in this world, right? You yeah. get people looking up and saying, hi, that's a, that's a win. We got a win. Yeah, here well, now. you know, and it's also, it's hard. <laughs> I'm new here and, and, and he's a young guy. And so you, you give him. You know, it takes a, a comfort feeling, but you can see his all work ethic out on the field and all business. And uh, we'll take that at this point and um, just let him keep doing that business and take care of the hitters and we'll be happy. I think it was 2016. I think I was uh, about 12 years into my professional career. I finally said hi to Sabes without feeling uh, a little nervous, you know, so. <laughs> sure. That comes with the territory of time yeah. for young guys. That's what's hard. And I mean, I'm. Shoot, I hate to say this. I'm I'm old enough to be by all means his father. I mean by far than maybe even his grandfather. So I get that by all means. But you still you look younger than than most. So you're good. You're 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 all set there. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, thank you. One of the guys I want to talk to real quick about last thing is is Scott Kingery. And um obviously again, this is one of those that, you know, having not being around him, uh, but knowing of him and knowing, you know, the people that are around and talking about it. Number one, how important is it for you hearing that he came in lighter and not bulked up and, and using and being able to use that athleticism of his? Well, it's extremely important. I mean, this guy, I, you, of course, I don't don't know him like others know him. Um, last year, I knew he didn't have a good year. Two years ago, he had a very good year. Last year, there were some reasons behind it. I think COVID and and probably a swing got out of whack a little bit. But I saw him play a couple of years ago in, in Reading a few mm -hmm. years ago. 
And I remember seeing him play, and I thought, wow, this guy's really a good player. I mean, this guy can do it all. So to me, I think what's important about it is Scott Kingery has the ability to be a real good big league player. Yeah. But he's also a guy that's not going to make a living hitting the ball out of the ballpark. That That's not the type of guy that, that he is. He's not Bryce Harper. He's not Aaron Judge. He can hit the ball out of the ballpark. But for him to be a really good player is to use his line drive stroke, to use the whole field, to use his speed. And when he does that, he's got a chance to be really good. And he's going to do that at a lighter weight because he's not in a position where he's bulking up and thinking, hey, i got to get this ball out of the ballpark. So, again, it will happen naturally at times. But he's not the type of guy that should be trying to do that. So hearing that that's the type of shape he came in, I've watched him now. I know he can run. Those type of guys that can do it all, that can run, that can be a spark plug, that can play different positions for you, um, gosh, they, they're so important because we have a chance to mm. really have a good offensive team. And if he starts playing the way he's capable of playing uh, from an offensive perspective, which there's no reason why he can't, then you add him to – Harper and Riamulto and Hoskins and Gregorius and Segura and McCutcheon and, and Bohm. I mean, you're talking about a club that is, that's a really good deep lineup. Yep. And so if somebody like him contributes and he can add that speed and that spark to the team, that's one thing when you look at those type of guys, they're really good offensive players, not that they're plotters by any means, but they're not really base stealing type guys. But he's a guy that can do that for you, and um, he would really, really be important for us if he can carry that forward. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited to see where he goes with this. But uh, again, off of your Zoom conference and talking about, you know, you love the doubles, and a yes. guy that had 36 doubles a couple of years ago probably should have had a lot more based on certain things that didn't happen at the plate. And so moving forward, I think that's going to be great. But Dave, I really appreciate you coming on uh, Pine Tar for breakfast. And taking the time with us, and and can't wait to talk again. My pleasure. I look forward to seeing you in person, and I look forward to visiting in the near future. So thanks a lot for having me. Appreciate it. I couldn't thank Dave Dombrowski anymore for coming on Pine Tar for breakfast because not too many times you get the president of baseball ops, and not only that, most likely at some point in his time will be a Hall of Famer. I'm just gonna say that. Why not? But for me, getting a perspective, you can get the manager's perspective. You can get a general manager's perspective. You can get a guy like Dave Dombrowski's perspective, and it's going to be different, Some somehow different, and seeing, you know, I don't have all the answers type thing. I love it because he's a guy that's always open to uh, not only observations, but the people that he trusts around him. And for us with the Phillies, we are very fortunate to have great scouts, great other people in the front office, executives, and, you know, obviously the coaching staff. So, again, thanks to Dave Dombrowski for taking the time today on Pine Talk for Breakfast. Until next time, peace. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.